Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. My name is Tim Wheaton, and we are the MMA Sucker Podcast. I am joined, as always, by the editor at, at MMA Sucker, Fraser Crone. Fraser, how's everything today? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Um, you know, we, we started off last week with a, a string of 10 UFC cards in, in a row. You know, there's, there's UFC every weekend, so there's no complaining from anyone. I'm sure after the 10 weeks, we may be saying, oh, we want a week off, but... Yeah, there's plenty for us to talk about. We've got, obviously, the UFC card to break down. Now we've got another UFC card, pay-per-view, to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be plenty for us to talk about. Oh, definitely. And you know what? The the card last week, as much as you and I were were kind of dunking on it and being like, this is a pretty weak card, there wasn't a ton of surprises, but I think it was a fairly entertaining card. Uh, Masvar got the unanimous decision victory, as we expected. Alexander Volkov performed... Uh, he exceeded expectations getting a first-round stoppage. Whether it was fair or not, he still got a first-round stoppage on paper. What did you think of the event that we just had last week? Yeah, I think it was, like you say, it was on paper, it was a bit a bit meh. But, yeah. but it, it actually um, it played out quite well. You know, in, in the main event, it kind of played out how we said it would up until the stoppage. You know, there were plenty of leg kicks. Volkov was trying to keep the range. Biggie Boy was trying to counter off Volkov's leg kicks. And that's kind of what happened for the first two minutes. And then obviously the uh, Volkov caught him in that in that exchange. I think it was a sort of a short left hook that he caught him with and it and it, it rocked uh Rosenstroke. But you know, the stoppage for me was it an early one? I mean I think if, if Biggie Boy hadn't got up straight away, we would have called it a good stoppage. But because he got up straight away, we, we people are, are debating whether it was an early stoppage. But the visuals weren't good. You know, he, he knocked him. He, he well, he he um, punched his his gum shield out. He, yep. he knocked him down. He, Biggie Boy is in a sort of crumple on the floor, and and the referee stepped in. I don't. You know, like I say, I think if if Rosenstroik would have just you know accepted the loss and, and sat on the floor for a little bit longer, no one would be be questioning it but uh for me i don't think it was an early stoppage would i like to see it again again it doesn't it still doesn't really do much for the division and uh i don't i don't want to see that one again but i think that the real talking point was the evil fight from that from that whole fight card you know it's a really good performance from him again what we said on the on the show last week that Mm -hmm. is legit but in my opinion he's deluded if he thinks he's gonna get a, a title shot next or or even be in that title picture unfortunately you know it's a really good performance but he, he's yet to get a finish in the in the ufc yeah and he's not fought anyone inside the top 10 yet i don't think i think Ige may have been ranked number 10 let me just double check that Te- but you know with the great yeah danny Ige was ranked number 10 right and, and he he had opportunities to finish that seemingly with the rear naked choke in the second but but wasn't able to finish it. I think Evloev versus Arnold Allen for me is the next fight. Cool. Arnold but, Allen. Let's get him back in there. I love Arnold exactly. Allen. He's super talented. Exactly. But you've got guys ahead of uh, Monsvar Evloev that I think will be tough fights. And Bryce Mitchell, you know, will he look to take Bryce Mitchell down? Because we know what Bryce Mitchell's game, uh, ground game is like. That's a risky fight for Evloev. Igor Chikadze, on the stand-up, he's... Oh, he's better than him. He's <laughs> he beats him considerably beat. better than him, but can he take him down? You know, there's there's fights above him. You know, unfortunately for Evlov, from what we've seen, I think the top four, Holloway, Ortega, Rodriguez and Calvin Qatar all beat him. Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett are tough fights for him. Yep. We'll have to see what Korean Zombie, you know, it came out this week that he won't actually be retiring as we thought he might. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Featherweight's, uh, Featherweight's exciting, but I do think, unfortunately, he is deluded if he thinks he's getting a title shot anytime soon because there's killers above him 
No, yeah, if Danny Gay's not a contender, like Danny Gay wasn't in discussion of getting a title shot, even when he was on a little win streak last year or anything like that. Exactly. Uh, Odie Osborne gets a really nice first round victory, but I think Karolina Kowalkiewicz, like we just feel, oh, she was so emotional after this victory. It meant so much to her to earn this victory. Uh, what else did you see on this card that you like? Yeah, I think I've uh, you know my notes. I put Erin Blanchfield and and Karolina Kovačević are the, the standouts for me. I mean, mm. we kind of shit on the Kovačević Herrig fight last week, we but because <laughs> you know, let's be, let's be honest. On, on paper, it, it's not a fight that we needed to see. We weren't. No. No one was lusting after that rematch, but no. the fight played out, and it was a really good fight. Actually, I I, I thought. Kovacavich looks really, really solid in that fight. Obviously now training at ATT. She left a Shark top team in, in Poland and, and moved over to America to train. Mm. We wrote an article a while back that she was training with Joanna Junjacek back in Poland. So obviously that's just helped her level up. And, you know, she's a, she is a, a feel-good factor in the division. You know, she's she's harmless. She doesn't trash talk. Yeah. And everyone wanted to see her get that victory. It's, it's a shame for Felice Herrick, who we saw obviously retire after the, uh, after the bout. But for me, if you're looking at the career of Felice Herrig, she could have been so much better. You know, she's got the the she's got you know she was on a four fight win streak at one point before she fought Karolina Kovačević the last time. Yeah, but she's just never really been able to put it all together. If you you know, I, I can't remember a Felice Herrig fight other than the Courtney Casey fight, and I only remember that because she was flipping her off in the middle of the fight. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> For, for Herrig now, obviously, she's got two um, two finish losses on her record back-to-back, -back, and obviously we have seen her retire now. But, you know, she's she's 37. She's She's got uh, an OnlyFans career outside of the sport by the, by the looks of her Instagram. So, obviously, she's transitioning over into that. You know, fair play to her because I don't, you know, at 14 and 10, she was never going to make a, another run at the title. But yeah. she was always that sort of, well, for for the, for the longest time, she was a gatekeeper to the top sort of ten or fifteen. But uh, yeah, it's it's not gone quite the way she maybe would have planned. But like I say, I'm I'm happy for Karolina uh, Karolina Kovačević to to get that win, and you know, hopefully now she can crack on, get another couple of wins, and and retire happy because it was rough to see her on that five fight losing streak, especially with them all being uh, finished losses. Yeah, and she was quite emotional about it. It was really great to see. But as you said, Aaron Blanchfield now makes it three in a row. So we are likely, like we were speculating last week, Aaron Blanchfield, we might be looking at a future top contender here. For sure. And, you know, the, the girls that she's beating aren't the girls that you'd expect them on with a, you know, she entered the uh, mm -hmm. the UFC with a, a six and one record. The you know Sarah Alpha, Miranda Maverick last time, last time out before a uh, JJ Aldrich this time out. These are good, good fighters. You know Miranda Maverick is one of our ones to watch from from a number of years ago when she entered the UFC. JJ Aldrich is, yeah, she's eleven and five and she's picked up losses, but you know she's got big wins against Courtney Casey, Vanessa Demopoulos, Jillian Robertson. You know she's she's a solid all rounder, and she was mm -hmm. finished by Erin Blanchfield. If I'm Blanchfield, I maybe want to get that loss on my record back. You know, she's got the loss to Tracy Cortez. Tracy mm -hmm. Cortez, obviously, in the UFC now on a 10-fight winning run. And, you know, if I'm Aaron Blanchfield, I'm kind of a little bit smug. You know, I, I think Aaron Blanchfield is in a better place in her career than, than Tracy Cortez. And 
you know, Tracy Cortez hasn't really shown us an awful lot in, in her fights this far. Whereas Aaron Blanchfield has, you know, I think Aaron Blanchfield is a really, really good prospect. Who's next for Blanchfield? That's where it gets difficult because above her, a lot of girls are booked and this this killers, you know, she'll, she'll, the assumption is she'll break into the top 10. She might even kick Tracy Cortez out of the top 10. So maybe Tracy or Cortez will want that one back. But if you just look at the, the t- sort of, at the division, you know, there's not an awful lot of girls above her that aren't booked, you know, Yes, we've got Tracy Cortez. She only fought a few weeks ago. So that could be a fight that we look at. Miranda Maverick, wow, she's already beaten her. Joanne Wood, I don't know if that would be too big a step up. You know, Joanne Wood's ranked number 10, Erin Blanchfield. But, you know, Joanne Wood's that sort of gatekeeper, unfortunately. And then we've got, you know, a fan favourite of mine, uh, Casey O'Neill, who I think is going to just be looking up the division. Obviously, she's out at the moment with the torn ACL. She's rehabbing that. But, the future's bright for for Erin Blanchfield. I think she was one of the standouts on the card. I think I think she's slightly unlucky, maybe not to get a uh, performance of the night bonus. But the performance of the night bonus went to uh, uh, Odell Osborne, the fight of the night, Mike Trezano and Lucas Almeida, and then uh, Silver got the other fight of the night. Uh, sorry, other performance of the night. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, like I say, I think she was maybe slightly unlucky not to get a uh, a performance bonus. But you know, it is what it is, and she'll kick on now. And I. I expect to see her out maybe August, September time again. You know, she's active and she's she's young enough to be able to really make a stab at this uh, at flyweight division now. You know, Kareem Silva was someone we just, we kind of skipped over, but I I wouldn't mind going back to her and talking about the women's strawweight just a little bit more. She's on, uh, well, it, she's on six wins, six fight win streak, all of them by round one stoppage so far. Like, she's on a six-fight round one stoppage win streak. Two of those are in the UFC, which isn't bad. Or they're all at least uh, stoppages, maybe not mm-hmm. first round. What do we do with Kareem Silva? I think she's a little bit better than we're giving her credit for. She's probably a little bit of a standout in this division. She wasn't overly struggling in this fight. Um, she might be a future prospect. She might be a future contender that we're looking at here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she's been fighting. At, this fight was obviously at flyweight. So it's, it's another fight that I think... It's another flyweight prospect that I think can really make a, a stab at the division. You know, finally, some more prospects. Exactly, and you know, we've got. If you look at above, you know, you've got Melissa Gatto who just lost to Tracy Cortez, Ariane Lipsky, who uh, is coming off. You know, one. Uh, she's on a one-fight win streak. Montella De La Rosa, Gillian Robertson, again JJ Aldrich. These girls are all girls that can. Uh, Oh, my hay fever's playing up today, man. Uh, these are all girls, I know, I'm struggling. Uh, these are all girls that can uh, really, you know, test these sort of newer, younger fighters who have got a lot of UFC experience. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, like you say, with Silver, with Blanfield, you've got still got Macy Barber, who's technically still a prospect. You know, she's only 22, 23. Casey O'Neill, I think after the women's flyweight division was created, mm-hmm. the it's soon becoming one of the, you know, in, in five years time, it's probably going to be one of the most competitive divisions in the sport. Yeah. Cause we've got all these younger, younger prospects coming through. It took uh, so long to get here though. It took way exactly. too long. Do you want to take a break? <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's just my hay fever playing up today. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's all good. Just getting emotional thinking about the future. I know. I'm just so Broadway. happy about the flyweight division. It's been so long and it just makes <laughs> me cry, man. <laughs> It has been a while, but finally we actually have some rising prospects in the division, some talented fighters here and there. 
do you think it'll be a fun division in the future or do we just think like oh we're going to swap out two top three names for two other top three names and that's it or are we going to have some depth I think it's you know it's trending towards depth. It depends. All depends on Valentina Shevchenko. Obviously, we're going to talk about her fight this weekend. Yes, we you know, later on in the show. But when she retires, it's wide open. As long as she's in the flyweight division, I think she is the flyweight division. You know, it's just like Amanda Nunes is the featherweight division. There's no competitors around Amanda Nunes for her to fight. Whereas with Shevchenko, there's constant competitors for her to fight, but they're not competitive fights. You know, she. Uh, she just dominates each and every person she faces. We're going to talk about her obviously later on in the show, but yeah. you know, you've got Macy Barber, Miranda Maverick, Erin yep. Blanchfield, Silver, Casey O'Neill, Montella De La Rosa still on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the girls that are now, you know, still ranked, you know, still, uh, Santos who, who fights for the title this weekend isn't, isn't old. You know, mm-hmm. you've got really top, top prospects, you know, Jessica Andrade, Back at, I think she's black, back at flyweight. Oh, no, so she's dropped down to strawweight now. But yeah. then, you know, Alexa Grasso, Manon Furo, and Caitlin Chikagian obviously booked for, uh, That's a for great UFC one. Paris. That's actually a good fight. Exactly. You know, these are all girls in, in and around. Tracy Cortez isn't, isn't old. You know, these are all girls in and around the top 15 that with two or three fights in two or three years could be in that title picture, in that top five picture. Whereas, unfortunately, you compare that to, to sort of, you know, straw weight. You've got Carla Esparza, who is an, an aging champion. Rose Namajunas, we won't see her in a, a title fight anytime soon. Wally Zhang, she's already been in a title, you know, in the title picture for the majority of her career. Yes. Marina Rodriguez and Mackenzie Dern, now they're two prospects that are exciting, as is Yang Xiaonan. Then you've got Jessica Andrade, who's already been in the title picture. Joanna Yunjacek, that could put herself in the title picture. It's no by no means stale, but there's no, there's only two girls in that sort of top five, top ten, that you could really see making a real push and being a tough matchup for, for the champion. And That's true. You know, that's not a bad thing, but you'd much prefer it like, like flyweight and, 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 you know, men's bantamweight. Who's going to who's gonna fight for the title next? You, we simply don't know after Santos and uh, Shevchenko fight. The assumption is if Santos wins, it'll be a rematch. If Shevchenko wins, who's next? I think we'll have to wait till UFC Paris to find out who will be the next contender for the flyweight division. But yeah, it's it's up in the air at the moment. Whereas, you know, we know that the winner of Wiley Zhang versus Yuan and Jacek is more than likely going to get a title shot. Yeah, so, it's you know, the same people. It's like the same four people just on rotation for five years now, right? Exactly. It's like the welterweight division. It's exciting, but it's yeah. been Jorge Masvidal twice, Colby Covington twice. Gilbert yep. Burns once, if he would have beat Hamzat, maybe him twice. Yeah. You know, now we've got Bilal Mohamed and, and Leon Edwards, who aren't big needle pushers, that are probably yep. deserving of a title shot sometime soon. But because they're not the big needle pushers, they don't even get a look in, which is a, is a shame, really, for them. But, you know, it, it all comes with, you can't just win fights, you've got to win fights in an entertaining manner, and then you've got to rock the mic, you've got to be active on social media. That's the, the way MMA is at the moment. And, yeah. you know, the flyweight division is... You know, I want to see, as, as much as we're sort of combat sports snobs, as you like to call us, we are. I want to see a lot more of the flyweight girls on Instagram calling each other out because that's the way it's, mm. it goes at the moment. If you can't get that viral, you know, 10-second clip of you in an interview saying, you know, Macy Barber, want you next, or, or, or Aaron Blanchfield, you know, me and you, we need that rematch. Yeah. You're not going to sell over to the mainstream. And that is something that the UFC can clip up, put on a 
you know, let's be honest, Sean O'Malley isn't the best fighter in the world. Yes, he's got knockout power, but his first three or four fights went to decision. But he is a captivating personality where he's got that Floyd Mayweather effect. You either want to see him knock someone out or you want to see him get knocked out. Yeah. But you're going to tune in to watch him. Yeah. And, you know, I think a couple of the flyweight girls maybe need that sort of social media push to really make them into the, the stars that they can be because they've got the they've got the talent, but whether they've got the whole package is, is yet to be seen. Well, yeah, and I think as much as we complain about it, that is the reality of the sport, and that part kind of sucks about it. I'm going to keep complaining about it, but, like, it worked for Juliana Pena. Like, that got her a championship title shot off one win, and then she won the fight, and they just kind of kept pressing on the gas. It's just been on the accelerator for Pena ever since. She is on every daytime talk show. She's on every interview. Uh, like, that stuff, like, go and practice your lines in the mirror. Go and do all that stuff, because it does work. And I, I think it's lame as hell, but... The other flip side of that is that it absolutely does work. It is yeah. an important part of the sport. Yeah, you know, she's on she's on tough now against Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Who would have thought that? You know, we all wanted to see sort of there were rumors of, of Darren Till and being on tough uh against Uriah Hall and, and you know, there's there's far better people, better personalities to be on tough. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, for example, that would have absolutely banged. But, <laughs> How are those two guys coaches? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But but, you know, Juliana Pena crossed over when she finished uh, Amanda Nunes. She crossed over into that mainstream. Yeah. And it's it's paid dividends for her, to be honest, and it's probably paying dividends as well for her. Yeah, like quite, quite literally. She, she may never win a fight in her career, but she's going to be one of the bigger names in women's combat sports for the rest of her career. If she chooses to fight even five years or ten years from now, she's still a name. And I might, she, might, she might go winless. Exactly. And, you know, she's always going to have that potential of the biggest upset in UFC history. Yeah. that's You can't ever take that away from her. So, you know, she, it's like Matt Sarah. What do you remember Matt Sarah for? Knocking out GSP. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't remember the fact that he had, you know, multiple fights with uh, Matt Hughes and, and Sean Shirt. No, he knocked out GSP. Yep. That's what you remember Matt Sarah for. And now he's a UFC Hall of Famer. Would he have been at UFC Hall of Fame if he hadn't knocked out GSP? Just highly, highly doubtful. The guy had, yeah, I, I love my little meatball, Matt, sir. But let's move forward onto UFC 275. Now, speaking of, you're not predicting. It sounds like you're already looking over Talia Santos. And I agree. This is a, one of the weaker contenders I think we've seen. And I will talk about this fight, and then we'll jump to the other UFC 275 fights, which are, are some real fun ones, some good bangers here and there. But Talia Santos and Shep Valentina Shevchenko isn't one of the good ones. On paper, Talia Santos is is legit. You know, 19-1. and one, She went on a 10-fight first, uh, first round knockout. Uh, First round, sorry, she went on a 10-fight win streak, yeah. most of which came in the first round. That, that, that's kind of where where I am with Talia Santos, is who right. is she for? Yeah. You know, she lost a UFC debut by split decision. I've been, I've, I'm writing an article this week, will be going up on the site, um, three keys to victory for, for Valentina. It's difficult to see where Talia Santos is bad because she hasn't fought a lot of mixed martial artists. She's fought a lot of quite one-dimensional girls, you know. Outside of her main event, uh, sorry, her her debut that was back in 2019 mm-hmm. against Molly McCann. Molly McCann is a boxer who can wrestle but doesn't 
you know, particularly likes to wrestle. She likes. To, she's a scrapper. She's a brawler. Gillian Robertson will do all she can, as as will Roxanne Modafferi, to get the fight to the ground. She'll grind it in the clinch and look to get the fight to the ground. Both Robertson and Modafferi don't have a. They have a fairly limited stand-up game, but it works for them to try and get it to the ground. Joanne Calderwood, or Joanne Wood, as she's known now, is a Muay Thai fighter who will fight in the clinch, but as soon as you take her down, she's limited. They're the four wins that Talia Santos has got. So Valentina Shevchenko has to mix this up and has to wrestle and strike with Talia Santos and mix up the pacing of the fight. You know, Santos has never entered a fourth or fifth round, whereas Shevchenko has gone to the decision, I think, five four or five times in, in uh, across five rounds that is and you know i think it's going to be a, a fairly straightforward I, I i don't see her finishing santos unless you get santos tired and she maybe finishes it late on but mm-hmm. i think santos is more solid than some of the competitors that shevchenko has faced you know no disrespect but lauren murphy jessica i liz carmusha fairly you know I think they were kind of pushed into title shots because yeah. you know they deserved them, but they were pushed into them. You know, realistically, they should have had two or three more fights before beforehand. But you know, she faced Caitlin Chikagian, who I think is really good. Jennifer Meyer, who I think is really good, and Jessica Andrade, who you know is really good. That's her, her record speaks for itself. Yeah, I don't think Talia Santos has got what it takes to really trouble Valentina Shevchenko. Unfortunately for for her. No, it's a tough fight to really find because <clears throat> we usually, when you're breaking down tape and watching fights, you're saying like, okay, I know who this fighter's facing. Let's watch their fights and figure out what advantages they would have. Uh, yeah, Talia Santos, I, <laughs> like unless she's going to come with a bunch of new skills in this fight, this is uh, this is a Valentina Shevchenko display. Like this is just, she gets to show some of her best work. She gets to have fun in there. Um, so good on her. And she gets another title defense. And then we, uh, every Monday we have to like, talk about with dummies about like, Hey, is Valentina Shevchenko the greatest of all time woman? Uh, she hasn't, she's just beaten warm bodies. They're not that skilled of bodies. <laughs> yeah. You can be, it's like with boxing, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the George Cambosos, Devin Haney right. fight later on. And Ooh. with that fight, you know, Devin Haney had fought some top guys, but never fought a top, top, top guy. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and puts on a clinic against George Cambosos with Shevchenko, she's fought some top, top women, but you know, Joanna Jacek, she was just bigger than Joanna Jacek. simply yeah. put, you know, Jessica yeah. I, not a top girl, you know, uh, Jessica I at one point, I, in my opinion, should have been cut from the UFC. She was on a, a four fight losing streak and now she's on a three fight losing streak. That I, with three wins sort of littered in the middle before mm-hmm. the last two, uh, to Shevchenko, I don't quite see how Jessica I ever got herself into that that situation where she was in a title shot. But you know, it is what it. Maybe you know UFC two thirty eight where they did face. Maybe that just needed another title fight on it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Caitlin Chikagian is the, the outlier because I, I think Caitlin Chikagian is can be world class, but she's just you know she's just not world-class if that makes sense she could she's got the potential she's got all the attributes to be world-class but she just isn't world-class at the moment but this fight against Manon Furo if she wins that fight she she's the next contender if Furo wins the fight she's the next contender you know if she if uh, Chikagi wins it she'll be on a five-fight win streak and if Furo wins it you know she'll be what 
five five and zero in the UFC and on a ten fight win streak, but their only loss coming to to Liam McCourt, you know Bellator's sweetheart Liam McCourt. But I think you know going back to UFC two seven five, yeah, I think if you're in the arena, it's maybe a go to the bar kind of fight because it is going to be. <laughs> In my opinion, I think it's going to be a point fight in victory for for Shevchenko. I, I mean, I have enough. Yeah, of course. I, I, like, we're talking about the validity of this fight. Like, yeah, they, it's that's that's kind of the fight. That's that's all I want to say on it. Let's move to the fun light heavyweight matchup. Um, I'll rescind my previous statement to cancel this whole division. Let's let's get into it. I like this fight because it's fun. I, the thing is that even though I think we're going to look back in ten years at this light heavyweight division and be like, that was clearly the dark age of the light heavyweight division after John Jones had left. At least the guys in it were all fun. You know what I mean? Of like Jan Bohovic, uh, Glover Teixeira, and Yuri Prohaska. Ton of fun. Just like fun personalities and fun style fighters. Yuri Prohaska is a forward action fighter who is just chaotic in there. He's punching trees 500 times every day. He's doing weird stuff in like 24 hours a day just throwing one-twos. He's out there screaming and meditating. Awesome stuff. Glover Teixeira knows he's old. He knows he's slow. So he says like, after this fight, I am retired. Uh, let's break down this fight a little bit more. Are we going to see a new champion walking out at UFC 275? Or does Glover do what he does best? What, how do you square up this matchup? Yeah, again, again, I've got an article coming out this week. Kisevich are using video analysis this time rather than just sort of, um, you know, my Valentina Shevchenko article is just three keys to victory for Valentina. This one looks at three keys to victory for Glover, but looks at some video analysis. Mm-hmm. One of the main things for me is... He Glover to retain his style has to avoid the uppercut. He's been knocked out by the uppercut or caught with the uppercut multiple times. If you remember that Alexander Gustafsson knockout, that was three uppercuts in a row before a looping right hook. The Anthony yeah. Johnson ten or thirteen second knockout on the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz undercard. That was you know that was an uppercut. Again, when he faced Iron Kutalaba landed multiple uppercuts on him and was able to, to eventually get the victory. Now, Jiri Prohaska, we haven't got an awful lot of UFC footage on him because he's only had the two fights. But he does that strange thing that we saw against uh, Volkan Ozdemir where he sort of leans forward, but he holds his own wrist sort of at his waist. Now, Glover Tashir has learned boxing when the punches are coming at you from a from a closed guard, you know, that, that you sort of almost like you throw and then I'll close my guard and you know if the punches are coming from underneath Glover's eye line that uppercut's going to be able to land even easier and I think that can be- become a key strike for Jerry Prohaska I, th- I think Prohaska unfortunately for Glover I think Prohaska maybe finishes Glover and I don't see it going too late either to be honest you know I, I've, I've kind of come around because originally we were I was squaring this up of like whoever kind of imposes their game plan first I think gets it done uh because I I always kind of imagined Jiri being weak on the ground because he struggled against guys like Vadim Nemkov and Muhammad Lawal. But going back and watching those fights, he was competitive against both of those guys. Like, especially against Vadim Nemkov, uh, he was rolling with him. Like, he was constantly having top position. He would lose it, being able to counter it. So even back in, like, 2015, when he originally fought uh, Bellator champion Vadim Nemkov, he was still rolling with him. He was still able to counter a lot of those uh, positions that he was struggling in. So I agree with you especially on the feet. Yuri has a major advantage. 
I'm going to pick Yuri to win this fight, but you're picking it by knockout. What exciting, weird knockout is Yuri Prohaska going to be bringing to Singapore? Like, what weird thing do we see? Well, that's the thing, you know. I agree with you, you know. Glover needs to get this fight to the floor because Yuri is so... I don't even know if he's strong on the feet. He's so outlandish on the feet that he yeah. could land a strike from... You know, he could land a left hook from a spinning back fist missed into a left hook. You know what this guy's like. Well, you don't know what he's like. That's the problem. Yeah. And, uh, I watched his fight from 2014, the the draw that he had. I'm going to butcher the spelling and the, uh, the the pronunciation, but Mikhail Mokatanin. Sure. Not, not actually too bad, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, that was a draw that he had in 2014. Now, in the, in the final round, both men were tired, and that was only a three-round fight, but both men were tired. And yet, Jiri was defending takedowns with relative ease after being taken down a couple of times in the fight itself. So his takedown defense kind of stands up for as long as as long as he stood up. But I think you know, if you look at the stats, he lands I think seven uh, around seven strikes per per minute. Yes, uh, seven point one nine strikes landed per minute throughout the UFC uh, his UFC career this far and that doesn't really include ground and pound you know a lot of guys sort of up their stats when they're, they're landing multiple ground and pound we haven't seen him on the ground an awful lot if he lands if he looks to throw you know he's landing seven strikes per minute so he's probably throwing 10 to 12 strikes per minute or if not more Glover needs to utilize these long extended combinations of Jiri Prohaska to try and get him to the floor because he's not going to take a step back Prohaska. I think even if Glover manages to to box with him and, and land on him, he's still not going to take a step back. He is going to, you know, he could be wobbled Prohaska or maybe take two steps backwards and then he'll, he'll, he'll sort of reset and carry on. He's got a reach advantage of four inches over Glover to Shearer. An inch in height is, is nothing really at this division. At yeah. this size, <clears throat> but Prohaska, I do think, has a tendency to get excited in there, and especially in the main is is in a main event as of a pay per view for the title. I think he could overthrow uh, Tashira, could get him down, and that could be the case for two or three rounds even. Mm-hmm. But it just for me, Glover doesn't take a shot as well as maybe you'd expect someone with that many fights. You know, he's got thirty, he's got forty fights. Sorry, he doesn't take a shot too well. And Jiri Prochka lands a lot of shots, so I think Jiri is probably going to get the knockout. And you know, like you say, it could be, it could be by spinning back elbow. It could be by <laughs> by knee, or it could just be by a simple one-two hook. You know, we, we don't know, but I think. Zubachka does get get the finish in this one. I think so too, but I do want to give some credit to Glover because he's uh, he's glacially slow and he gets knocked down in all of his fights. Like I think Jan nearly knocked him down. Thiago definitely knocked him down. Anthony Smith was winning the fight uh, like for at least two to three rounds before he really flipped there. Um, he is glacially slow, but like good for you for rising. Good for him for rising to this apex of this division. But yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be consistent that I'm going to pick against Glover in all of his fights for however long he fights, whether it's another year, whether it's a couple of months, whether it's a couple of weeks. I'm always going to pick against him because he's so slow. But I don't. He could still just like crawl and get this fight done. He he's good at 
once he gets a position, he doesn't really give it up very easily. Uh, he looks like you're dying. I'm, I'm really struggling with my A fever today. Yeah, I don't know what's what's wrong with it. I don't know, but <laughs> he looks so sad. Uh, I look like I've been jabbed in the face. That's the, that's the I problem. I don't I don't envy any of these guys getting jabbed in the face for a living because you know <laughs> we're only what about half an hour into the pod today, and I am struggling. But you know, <laughs> get, getting jabbed in the face for 25 minutes by someone as big as you, perhaps get that would uh, do it. I don't look forward to being Glover to share on Monday morning. Let's just say that. But no, with with Glover, if I'm pick, if I'm picking the fight with my heart, I'm picking Glover. What a story it was, especially when he defeated Jan Blahovic. Blahovic is a routine kickboxer. You can yes. get plenty of sparring partners in to mimic Jan Blahovic's style, to mimic Thiago Santos's style. You know, Santos is a power puncher, and he swings with a hundred percent for two and a half rounds before he gets started. Yep. Who do you get in to, to mimic Jerry Pachka at that size? There's a, there's a, you know, as a beat Magomed Sharapov, it's probably the, the best that I could sort of say is similar to Jerry with all these spinning attacks and, and crazy, crazy movement and whatnot. But he's a 145 pound fighter. These guys are Jerry will weigh 215, 220 in there on, on Saturday night. And, yeah. I don't quite know who Glover can get into to mimic his style, but at the end of the day, I think it may just be a changing of the guard. And I, I don't want to see Glover retire after this, but it depends how Glover looks. You know, it's his first fight as champion. How will he take that pressure? Because we all assume that the pressure won't get to Glover to Shearer. We don't know that. You know, it, it may it may sort of get to him. And you know, you've got two, you got a title fight before him, and then you've got the. Yuani and Jacek versus Zhang Wiley fight before Ooh, that. Let's get into it. Let's jump yeah. right to it. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we've got plenty of big fights before him. And if, you know, if Yuani and Wiley put on an absolute fight of the year again, that could put more pressure on, on Glover to perform. You know, the crowd's going to be amped up. And, you know, it might put pressure on Glover. But I think he either needs to use his experience and kind of old man jury, or it's going to be a, a, a short and long night for, for Glover at the same time. Yeah, I I think this is a Yuri win all day long. I like Yuri in this fight a lot. I think that's a good one. But let's jump to the real fun one. The former fight of the year, the last one that we had before uh, COVID lockdown. So this one, who knows what's going to happen after this fight. But we have Zhang Weli and Yoni and Jacek 2. The first one was a razor close split decision victory for Zhang. Um, this was a, a fight of the year. I, 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 squaring this one up, I think it's just going to be nothing but fun. But Yoni has fought for a while i think for that is my that is the biggest talking point i think what kind of shape is she going to be in is she going to be 100 because if she takes half a step if she's half a step slower than she was this is a zhang fight all day uh zhang has been fighting nothing but top contenders since uh joanna you want to step back <clears throat> what do you think of this fight how are you doing <laughs> you take yeah. a break no, I'm I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. I just take my glasses off, so I'm having to squint at my screen a little bit. But we'll 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 power through it. No, I I completely agree. And you know, Joanna's historically had really good takedown defense, especially with her strawweight reign when she was champion. Before obviously Rose and 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 uh, she went up to flyweight, obviously as we mentioned earlier, to face Shevchenko, and then. Yeah, she got the two losses to Rose. The loss at flyweight has kind of got an asterisk next to it, and the loss to Wiley last time out. Mm-hmm. Wiley came out last time when she faced Rose as, as a wrestler, looking to wrestle Rose as much as possible. How is Joanna's 
wrestling defense gonna gonna hold up because I, I can see Wiley Zhang wrestling with Joanna again in this fight you know looking to to looking to get her down looking to hold her down and looking to dominate the fight down there and make it quite boring mm-hmm. I think we also have to like you say if she lost even that that half a second of speed I think it's going to make a massive difference to her game because she was never a power puncher yeah she was always uh, in out and you know quick you know, land one twos and get out and land a leg kick and get out of the way. If she's lost that half a second of speed, yep. you know, how, how much does that take away from a game? Is she just an average fighter then? You've also got a question the weight cut. She's always struggled to make 115 mm-hmm. and she hasn't made it now for over, over two, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a little over two years. So how is the weight cut going to affect her? You know, is she going to make weight easily or, or or not? She had struggled some fights in the past. Sometimes she's fine, but sometimes she struggles. Exactly, and and you know, if you if you don't make weight for for two odd years, how much weight did she put on over that two years that she's now having to dial it in and dial it in? I know we've had this fight, or her return has been been booked for for quite a prolonged period of time, but how how much is the weight going to affect her? Because yes, it's only a three round fight. But Wiley Zhang can can work for three rounds, yeah. And you know how much did that Wiley Zhang fight take out of it against uh, for Wiley? We saw her face Joanna, and then we saw her get knocked out inside what two minutes a minute against Rose. The, mm-hmm. the the fight immediately after. We don't know how much that fight actually took out of Joanna and Jacek because we haven't seen her since then. But like you say, it was arguably, in my opinion, it's the best women's fight to to ever take place. One of the fights of the year in 2020, and I'm I'm looking forward to to them going at it again. Yeah, and I don't I I think like you, I don't really have a hard pick on this one. We'll have to see what shape both of these uh, two are coming in at. Uh, but I I really look forward to it because I think both of them obviously are are championship quality. I'm a huge fan of Yuana. I have been for like most of the history that I've known her. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for Yuana victory here because I like her. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I like Zhang a lot as well. Uh, looking down the card. I, I thought Manel Cape was like out due to USADA suspension. How was he yeah. fighting Hargario Bontarin? Yeah, because he had the fight with he had the fight cancelled. I think the day of because of like USADA or something like that. Didn't he get caught for something? I mean, that was yes. that was the twenty third of the twenty third of April card, and uh, as per topology, it says tested positive for Turinabol metabolite. But he's bad. Yeah, it's like a steroid steroid. Turnable is like the steroid. That's like yeah. Soviet era steroid. But maybe because this fight is in Singapore, the mission, <laughs> yeah. the mission is slightly different. I'm not really sure why he's able to fight fight on this. I, I I really don't know how. But yeah, I agree. I thought he was he was out. He arguably should have been suspended. But you know it is. Yeah. What it is. Uh, I mean, it's an okay fight. Manel Cape probably wins this fight, especially if he's on Turnable coming into it. Even if you're on Turnable for your training camp and then you cycle off of it, you still get the benefits six exactly, months later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rogerio Bontorin is not on a... Was he the one that we talked about of like, man, who who at the UFC does this guy? Like, why does the UFC hate this guy? Because they keep yeah, giving these guys. Uh, if you look at his records, you know, Ray Borg, who at the time was fairly yeah. decent. Kaikara right. France. Then he faced Matt Schnell, and Matt Schnell was on a tear at the time, and, and Brandon Royval, and now Manuel Cape. I mean, this guy's yeah, not like. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who he's pissed off, but he's only thirty, so he could have a if he, a win over Manuel Cape probably could 
could boost him up the rankings a little bit. You know, he's, he's ranked number eight. Uh, Cape is ranked number 14, so it's a big step down for him. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good fight. Yeah, Manel Cape's always exciting. He's a very uh, – I feel like he's either going to finish you in the first round or he's just going to be boring for the whole fight. So it's a dice roll with the kid. And I think I, – I thought the UFC really liked him at first, but at this rate, who knows what they're doing. So yeah, I, sure. <laughs> what else do you see on UFC 275 that's worth talking about? we got Brandon Allen's back. That's a good one. Uh, Sung Woo Choi is finally back, I think, after a little bit of a layoff, if, if I'm thinking correctly. Who else do you like in this one? Yeah, I think, obviously, we've got um... – Jake Matthews versus Andre Fialo. Fialo is a guy he seems to fight every couple of weeks. You know, he's had this will be his his fourth fight in in twenty twenty two. He fought January, April, May, and now June. You know, he's got two first round finishes in his last two fights, and I'm here for it. You know, facing Jake Matthews is not no no easy task at all. Yeah. Um, but the one that I'm really keeping an eye out for that, you know, I think everyone should keep an eye out for is uh, Jack Della Maddalena. You know, he's mm. he's only 1-0 in the UFC, but, you know, he's on a, he's on an 11-fight win streak. Came yep. in off the Contender Series and on his debut knocked out uh, Pete Rodriguez, who I think was a late-notice replacement. He was meant to face Wallery Alves, but Alves withdrew. He looked phenomenal in that. And now he's got... A Big, big step up in competition. In competition, facing Ramazan Amiv, you know Amiv. Yeah, that's a tough one. He's solid all round. You know, he's got that. He's got the, the decent stand up, and then if he gets in trouble, bang, he'll shoot a takedown and get the fight to the floor. I think Mandela gets it done. Uh, Madalena, sorry, gets it done. But uh, it's not easy. But at twenty five years old, he's certainly one to keep an eye on. I think. You know, he's a 175, uh, sorry, 170 pound fighter at the moment. I think at 25, you can move move up to 185 without much trouble. Mm-hmm. And good for him for going 0-2, turning his career around and going 11 straight in a row. Every time I look at the screen. <laughs> it looks like someone has given you some terrible news. Every time I, know, I, I, don't, I don't know what's up with it today. It's, it's, it's been fine all morning as soon as we jump on. It's, uh, uh, it's so funny. Up, but... Okay, Young uh, Ho Kang is also back, and this is another like the bantamweight division is just too good. I think both these guys are jockeying and trying to get into the top fifteen. They're both in a must-win scenario, coming off one loss apiece. Uh, but yeah, both of these guys are in must-win because they are kind of maybe in the chopping block or coming in the range of being in the chopping block. So that's going to be a competitive one at men's bantamweight. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good fight card up and down. Uh, what's the time zone that we're doing this one in? Is this going to be in the Singaporean time zone, so it's going to be midday for us? Or are we doing it in the US time zone, so it's going to be like midnight for Singapore? Yeah, that's what I thought, but I think I'm not really... I think it's on a US time zone um, from what I've, I've read, okay. which to me doesn't make sense. Why not just treat, treat fans for once for a pay-per-view? You know, they did yeah. that card in Manchester when... Uh, Bisping fought Henderson, and that was at sort of half four in the morning, which I never understood. Yeah, I, I think I you yeah. need to treat treat fans. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. It's you know, again, it's it's. Are you going to get up in the middle of the night to watch it? If you can watch it on replay, probably not. But it starts at three in the morning. I, I don't like. I don't think so. <laughs> exactly, it's a good card, but maybe not a, a three in the morning kind of card. 
Yeah, it's got two really, really good fights. It's got three overall pretty good fights on it. But yeah, it's not a three in the morning. I would have liked if they did it in Singapore time because I think the UFC did it a couple of times and they just didn't like the numbers. But like, if you're going to go to a local market, go to the local market. <laughs> you know yeah, what I they mean? certainly didn't. They've done it at uh, uh, Singapore time for the fight night cards when Holly Holm fought Betch Cahaya. That was a uh, that was sort of a mid morning sort of afternoon card for 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 us in the UK, but. Maybe yeah. with a pay-per-view, they want to try and get as many pay-per-views as possible. But this, I think the casual fan doesn't really tune in for this one, unfortunately. No, I don't think so either. Uh, that's 10 a.m. Singapore time. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So if you're going to the arena, you got to set the alarm. But it's just a weird atmosphere to watch fights on a Sunday morning, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. And it, what, so 10 o'clock, it'll finish, say, 4, four o'clock in the afternoon. And then what do you do? Like whole day there yeah it's just a weird uh, like if you why why are you guys going to somewhere else just to put it on for the u.s fans it's still the bigger yeah, question exactly. right? yeah if you're going to do that just keep it in the u.s there's no benefit to yeah. it being in singapore then it's you know yes you break into a new market but but so you're what? not if you're not servicing the fans exactly there. yeah 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 However, maybe we should get out of here, take some take some pills, take some <laughs> drugs. So that's it for UFC 275. We covered the last week's up. But can you tell me a little bit more about David Haney and Cambosos before we head out of here? Yeah, David Haney this weekend. What what a performance. You know, I, I watched the full fight yesterday on a, on a replay. And uh, Cambosos couldn't get anything off. You know, you just couldn't couldn't get any, he was just outclassed every time he went to get something off Devin Haney bang would bang a jab down down the pipe and, and offset Cambosos he changed up the pace of the fight well throughout mm-hmm. and you know there's an argument that Haney won every round there are two or three contentious rounds that, that I think were scored for Cambosos but could have easily been scored for, for Haney mm-hmm. unfortunately there's a there's a rematch clause so and Cambosos has, has reportedly looked at activating that rematch clause. I've got no interest in a rematch. Cambosos was outclassed, and he he will be outclassed in a rematch. The fight I want to see is Haney versus Lomachenko, because what happens when Haney can't land the jab and is forced to miss over and over and over again? Yeah, you know if he land if he faces someone like a, a Tank Davis or a Ryan Garcia, he could probably land that jab. Maybe yeah. not with, maybe not so often as he did on Cambosos, but he can certainly land the jab. He's not going to land the jab on Loma nearly as much as he did on he, he would on either of those guys or any of those guys. So that's the fight to make for me. But I think the most important thing is Cambosos reportedly got paid ten million dollars for that fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even think the entire of the UFC card will get paid ten million dollars. Oh God, I think all of the fighters combined for twenty twenty two probably would get, maybe yeah. maybe sneeze at ten million. Yeah, and Cambosos ten million dollars in his home country. In the Marvel Stadium, didn't I? Wouldn't even say he didn't show up. He was just struggling to show up with a class of Haney. Is this and the he, fighter that we expected? Like this is the fighter that we expected to show up last year when he he upset win. But this is kind of what people said. This is the kind of fighter he is. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. I don't think people gave him a lot of respect, and unfortunately, kind of proved them right. He he, he yeah. didn't show an awful lot in the in the uh, in the Haney fight on Saturday night, but. I still think he can come again. Well, I do. I think he beats any of the champions at the moment. No, well, obviously Devin Haney is the undisputed champion, but he doesn't beat Tank. He doesn't beat. Uh, he doesn't beat Loma. He doesn't beat 
Ryan Garcia probably struggles again against Tiafimo Lopez. You know, if Lopez goes into that fight a little bit more switched on, there's an argument that he might even beat Cambosos. Yeah. So Cambosos will definitely take a step back. I don't want to see him in a rematch. I've got no interest in that whatsoever. And I want to see Haney versus Lomachenko next. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm surprised that he was struggling with the jab. Wasn't the counter jab the thing that he did so well in the Tiafimo Lopez fight? Like, was exactly. he. Was it just a different style of delivery, or was it just like I'm partially asleep in this fight? I think it was the latter, unfortunately, because because Haney, yes, Haney Haney is has an elite jab. There's no denying that we've seen that in all of his fights thus far. But yeah. a jab is a jab. At the end of the day, it's it's coming from the same position. He, he had, I think, he had a couple of inch reach advantage on on Tia, so maybe it was coming from slightly further out. But mm. it wasn't just a jab; it was the pace of the jab. He'd, he'd throw one jab and then he'd sort of throw the jab and keep the hand out of there and yeah. then or he'd, he'd pour the lead hand and then throw the jab and it was i think he just confused conversos and every time conversos went to attack the jab was there in his face so he had to sort of stop reset and then he'd go again but then be another jab in his face and then he'd, he'd look to go to the body but Haney would land the hook so he was constantly offsetting conversos throughout and uh obviously it paid dividends for Haney because he's now the undisputed lightweight champion Ben, I paid. Yeah, we're it's a it's a fun timeline for him. So good for him. The division's finally fun. Like every time these MMA fans are like, boxing's dead, and you guys aren't paying attention. You guys are dumb as hell. Yeah, you know, that's not it at all. It is just starting to get cooking here. All right, so let's get out of here for the week. We'll come back in a week when the hay when the pollen index of this nation has gone down a little bit. It will. <laughs> All right, uh, Tim Wheaton, um, and Fraser Crone. Fraser, what do you got going on this week? Yeah, I've got the two articles coming out this week. Shevchenko, keys to victory, and uh, Glover, keys to victory, using video analysis. So, yeah, be sure to check them out on the website. And, uh, yeah, keep it locked to MMA Sucker because we'll have results, you know, staff picks, everything this week, previews and whatnot. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much for your time, folks. Thank you.